You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members, for members. In Season 11, educators discuss a culture of care with Dr. Amy Yillick. Welcome back to season 11 of OEA's Grow podcast. This season, we're talking all things culture of care. And my guest today is Sandy Washburn, who will be talking with us about educator wellness. Sandy, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation. I got to see you last spring at the Northwest PBIS conference and you um, inspired me and shared lots of great new strategies for me to not only apply to myself, but share with educators over here in Central Oregon. And then along the way, I got your book, Better by the Letter, which I just love, the simple, easy um activities that you have in there. So I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Um, I would love it if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you ended up in education. Yeah, I ended up in education by accident. I went to graduate school to study behavioral medicine and work with elite athletes. And then um, reality hit, and I had to find a job, and I wound up in residential well, I didn't. I wound up working in residential, not actually <laughs> in residential um, yourself. That's a good path yeah. to wellness, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that forces it on you. Um, I worked a little bit in graduate school, and in, in um, they allowed me to do a stress management study, um, and so that was the start of it. And then, um, just over the years, and finding things, finding my way back home to Oregon. Um, helping out family illness things, and then getting back into um, into working in mental health. I was in a collaborative setting with um, our children's farm home here and the school district. And when that um, stopped being a, a program, I was invited to just work in the school district. I've been here ever since. So that's been since the very late 90s. Um, so that's in the midst of all that, I've had kids and done the things, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I've done some of those things, too. Um, so what do you do? What is it that you specifically do now? So now, so I've had a bunch of different hats uh, over the years. Uh, as a child and family liaison, I was a district PBIS coach. But the last out of 13, 14 years have been leading a district behavior team. So we train people to it within the buildings with some behavioral um, expertise, some knowledge. And then I have a team that also goes out and coaches and supports those programs. Um, and with that, with the growing of that team, I've been able to shift some of my work into adult wellness because really recognizing working with behavior and having all these great interventions for kids, um, they only work as well as the adults can work them and with the turnover and the burnout and the load of everything that teachers are, are dealing with and administrators, all school staff, um, really working on their wellness so they can be there to do that work uh, as just super important. 
It is. It's so incredibly important. I do a lot of work around, you know, burnout and the burnout cycle. And we just say that burnout starts when demand exceeds capacity. And that's like, oh, welcome to the job of education. <laughs> it's like you step yes. into education, yeah. you're stepping into a system of that's kind of set to, to burn you out for sure. Um, yep. Well, that's really incredible. What... Um, why would you say that this, I mean, I get the concept of like, you know, we need to take care of ourselves, but like, why does this matter? Why does this work even matter, educator wellness? Well, you know, the the level of professionalism and trust that we put in our educators, right? You, I send my own kids to you to teach them and to help build them into citizens. And if, if we're not well, you know, kids do what we do, not what we say. And if we're not well and we can't manage that and we aren't modeling that all over the place, then they, they really have a hard time getting them to learn that piece. You know, we're really churning out despite the heavy, um, heavy emphasis on testing and windows of time that we have to work within. We're really turning out citizens, right. That can manage and work with people and interact and be in community. And we need to be able to do that in our schools. And, you know, as you know about the burnout cycle, um, feeling that you have a purpose, feeling that you belong, feeling all those pieces need to be in place, and they're not. And that's a big reason why we're having such burnout and turnover. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just, I, I just want to say, just being in your presence feels very calming. <laughs> you radiate, you have like this, just this really nice, easy, regulated manner. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Not just with the world, but with me too. Um, what are some of your successes in the, in the work that you do around educator wellness? Well, so before, before the pandemic, uh, came around, we were just working on getting some wellness, weekly wellness sessions in the, in the schedule of the day for the grownups. So it became um, an expectation for PLC time um, that they'd spend the first 15 to 30 minutes with me doing some wellness practices before they got into their debrief and that sort of thing. And then over pandemic, we did some videos. We did some things also to help with transitions from work to home because you're always at home and those sorts of pieces. So those were really fun and those are great and people still look at those. I've been able to, uh, with some grants from OEA, um, do some wellness work uh, and I do monthly challenges and we have prizes. So I send out a calendar of things. It's actually my favorite day today because I send out the email that says, okay, share, share your calendar and what you've done and what you've noticed this month. And I get all this positive, I get all this positive feedback. So it's really filling me. It's very selfish, but, um, People that I don't know in our district that I don't usually interact with, I hear from that they've done it, they've shared it with their students, they've taken it home to their families. And so it feels like I've done a little something. Uh, so that's been really great. We do still do weekly wellness here um, in my department. I get to lead off some of our PD and training meetings with a five minute just drop in or wellness pieces. So we're, and I've been pushing this, my head against the wall for quite some time, but it's, it's starting to move a little bit. So that's been really fun. Oh, that's amazing. Could you tell me, could we go back to, you were talking about having educators share their calendar with you. Can you tell me a little bit about that activity and what that looks like? 
Yeah, so every month I, I put a different calendar out. I create something new. So October, for example, was for one week, it was, uh, I, I can't even remember, but um, I will give out, uh, it's a calendar with information at, that I'll tell you November's that's coming out is, uh, I'll, drop, I'll drop that tomorrow. So it's thanks and planks because it's Thanksgiving month, right? So for every day, you do a minute plank. And this year, um, while you're doing your plank, or any other time during the day, and hopefully many other times during the day, you're thinking about things you're grateful for that start with the letter of the day, which they just go ABC. So day one, November 1st, you're going to do a minute plank and think of all the things you're thankful for that start with the letter A. And then you can write them down and whatever. And the next day you do a minute plank and all the things about letter B. And then at the end, you know, there's not, there's more than 26 days. So it's like a person, a place, uh, an event, an activity. So they'll do these things and they'll, and whether they do them every day or not, they write them down, they take some little notes. I invite them to send me either a picture of the calendar or a little write-up of what they noticed, what they learned. And then I get to, um, then I get to read all that and celebrate that. And then I put their name in a drawing and we have prizes for books and food cards and things like that. And that, so every month I do a different one. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really great. I'll have to, um, I'll have to get some more information about, about that and send it and share it with our readers and the, um, podcast notes. That would be really cool. Yeah. Um, what would you say are like, so you are, I mean, you're busy cultivating wellness for your district. That's amazing. What are your barriers to doing this work? Uh, like most people in education, really, it's time. Um, trying to trying to give uh, professional development, you know, we, we know research-wise that a one and done doesn't really work. So how do we put it all the way through the day or through the month and keep it on the forefront. So trying to figure out little practices, which is a lot of what the book that I wrote was about was something small that you can do a couple minutes a day. My calendar is the same idea. Like it's not saving up for a big vacation or taking time off work because that then causes more stress, right? Because you have to clean up the messes or whatever that happened when you were gone. Right, um, right. And so just trying to, to find time and to help people understand that, it's pay me now or pay me later, really. You really can't afford not to take the time to take care of yourself because then you're not going to be doing, if you're drawn to education or any service work, you, you got to fill your heart, right? You, and you have to feed that yourself first. Um, and so just that's the biggest barrier is trying to help people understand because they'll sit down with me and they'll take a breath for a few, you know, we'll take a couple minutes of a breath or I'll take you through a little guided meditation or whatever. It's two or three to seven minutes. And inevitably you feel better because you've slowed down and we could geek out on all the neuro stuff, but we won't. Right. Um, but then it's like, I just don't have time. I'm like, okay, how, how much time do you spend? If you really did a time audit, you really do have time and you can do it with the kids in your classroom and they don't have to, they're not getting graded on it. They don't have to participate. But if you just do it again, kids will do what you do, not what you say. So rather than saying you need to go take a deep breath, if I do, then more often somebody else is going to do the same thing. So that's a big, that's probably the biggest barrier is our own stories about self-care and what that means. Right. And I love like 
the part where you say, if, you know, instead of telling somebody to take a breath, if we just breathe, I mean, Bruce Perry's work shows that right. if we can just, all we have to do is stay regulated in the presence of someone that's dysregulated. And if we can hold that, however long it might take, assuming it's, you know, a normal dysregulation and not some, you know, major mental health break, right. they will, they will calm down. We we're always seeking to regulate in the presence of other people. Um, so I love that so much. Um, and also something that I thought of as you were talking was like finding the time I realized. So, you know, I have found myself, I've been in education. It sounds like as long as you have, maybe, maybe even a tad longer. Um, and I have found myself at like kind of end stages burnout multiple times and not realizing it, you know, just like I think so many of us in education are, are good hard workers and we put, we're used to kind of putting ourselves last. But one of the last times that I found myself at the final stages of burnout, you know, I went to my principal and I asked for help. I was like, I just can't do this. And he was amazing. He was like, I don't want to see you here on Friday. You're taking a mental health day. And he responded exactly as he should have. And one day off at the final stages of burnout is going to do zero. <laughs> and in that moment, I realized no one was going to save me. Like in this job that we do that's so intense and so hard, I had to take responsibility way back there when I started to, you know, push myself into that, that mode of burnout, that I was the one that, that had to take responsibility for my wellness. So I don't know if that kind of yeah. fits with <laughs> your perspective as well, but it really is. It's a shared responsibility, right? We can't go blaming the, the educational system and how, how crazy it is and how much it's just designed to burn us out. That's true. But what is also true is that you've, I've got all the control over myself and how I respond and how I react and, or breathe and slow down, right? I can control that. And that's true in any situation, right? So I'm also a, a, a parent, been a single parent for a lot of years and with triplets. And it, I tell you, I, I do these things all the time because I have to, I want to be the best for my kids. I want to be there, right? Teachers want to be there for all of their students and all their, all their people, and follow that passion. And, and so it really, it's, it doesn't rest solely on me to, to save myself from burnout. There's some other pieces right. and there, there's a collaborative piece that needs to happen. But yeah, yeah I, I own that myself for how I'm going to be in the world. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So with that, so how do you, like, what is your response when educators say, don't tell me to breathe? <laughs> You know, it's, like, it's almost like we, it's like gaslighting, right? Like yeah. this education system is really, it's a real challenge to work in. And particularly since the pandemic, like it has gotten, you know, even more challenging. And so to come in and say, oh, let's try these self-care strategies while we're, you know, holding a match underneath them. And like, how do you respond to that? Well, just the same way that we would like to have them respond to kids, right? So it's, wow, what's what's behind that? Like, okay, wow. That, that must feel, huh? Let me, let me think about that. And I will pause and I'll have some silence and I'll take a deep breath and I'll try 
trying to let them see that it's okay to pause. Like everything, we, we have this, this made up rush, rush, rush thing going on, right? And you don't have to answer everything five seconds ago. You can just go, oh, you know what? And, and most of the time, if I breathe and I just go, wow, that's, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. They figure it out. You, you, they know the answers. We have really, really talented people out there. And they're creative and they're super. They're just so flipped that they can't get there. If they can just calm down and breathe with me and a- answer a question that's curious instead of be, again, told what to do, they're more likely to, to do that, right? And that's the magic. That's what works with kids, right? We check in with the kid. Wow, that's a big emotion behind tossing that desk around. Huh. Tell me more about that. Let's just, I just, wow, that was big. I need to sit down and think about that. Or I need to sit down and collect my thoughts and just invite them, right, non-verbally to join you in that. So I do the same thing with grownups. It's, you know, and. It's and amazing. Just, it works, huh? <laughs> Breathing is magic. It is. It's amazing. These things that we we preach, they work for for kids of all ages, for sure. Yeah. Um, So I mentioned earlier about your book, Better by the Letter, and I uh, grabbed it and have been digging into your strategies by the letter and love it so much because I just think it just feels like, oh, you could open it up at any page and grab a strategy right there in the moment that you can do yourself or that you could teach a student. How did the book come about? Uh, it just really, it, the, it came to fruition through pandemic. I had time to sit at home and write some stuff. I was doing videos for people and um, had the time to sit down and put into, into words, into that format, what I've been teaching about. And it made sense to me because it was the letters of the alphabet that it would be an educator book, right? So, um, and then, and I wanted it to just be something. So like we said before, you can't just wait for the Friday off or or the vacation days or whatever, um, that we need to be able to sprinkle things through our day and find little little glimmers or bursts of joy um, or peace through our hard work day so that we can replenish, right? Again, another strategy that we talk with about kids having breaks, right? So grownups need them too, and to feed ourselves. And so you just open up a letter and it's something that you can do pretty quickly while you're walking down the hall or while you're waiting for your lunch to microwave. And some of you guys don't eat lunch, I know, but um, wherever <laughs> you can grab it before or after work and, and on the transition on the road, back and forth, whatever, um, or right before bed. And then also because we're helpers by nature, um, there's some things in there like, and your kids will also probably benefit from this if we did, if you practice this right before a test or some other things so that you can also, it's hard for a lot of educators, a lot of service people to, to take it on themselves and take care of themselves. So if, if there's a reason to do it for somebody else, more likely to do it. So I tried to, to help out on all different aspects with that. Right. Oh, that's such a good approach too. And it's so true. And it kind of goes to that research. I don't know if you've ever heard this, that like something like, I don't know, a huge number of people, like the majority of people would say that they know that they should talk to their doctor when they're stressed, right? Most people know that. But then you ask people, do you talk to your doctor when you're stressed? And they say no. Like, but they'll do it for the students, right? Like they'll do it. They won't yes. do it for ourselves, but we'll do it for the students. So, um, 
Yeah, that's really great. Do you have a favorite letter? Do you have one that you you do regularly or that's your go-to? No, I, I don't because I, so I wrote a second book also that's a parent book. Um, it's also better by the letter, but it's family edition. So it's a, it's some strategies around oh. games. So I get my letters all mixed up, so I don't have a favorite letter. Um, and I have, you know, in my head, you know, chicken soup for the soul, right? And they have chicken soup for everything. Uh-huh. And I would love yeah. one day before I, before I'm gone <laughs> that I have a series of better by the letter things, um, different avenues, uh, because there's just so many strategies out there and they speak to different people and it, it's not one size fits all, right? You can't just say, oh, I, I go run and that's my strategy because it might right. not be yours. And I can't just go, go run, right? Go take breaths, go right. do yoga, whatever. Um, so really finding what you, what you like um, is, is the best thing. I, um, you know, I start my morning with a cup of coffee and a little meditation and then always some kind of movement, whether it's intense and vigorous or it's, stretching and yoga, depending on how I'm feeling, but that just gets my day going. And I notice, and my kids notice if I don't do that, they're like, Oh, you didn't do this for the last couple of days. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got me. Amazing <laughs> how they will point that out to us. Huh? Yeah. That's yeah. good. They keep us in check for sure. Um, I think the day, I think the J is the jellyfish one. So that's just fun because it's movement and it's weird. And if you do that, like I walk to work sometimes and I'll listen to music or a podcast or whatever. And so sometimes I've been known to um, kind of dance around a little bit and look weird down the street, you know, with my headphones on. But um, <laughs> but it's fun and it just feels good and it just loosens you up. So just the imagery of that, I like being at the beach and. Sure. I had um, another guest on the show. Uh, her name is Jessica uh, Riemann, and she talked about dance church. Have you heard of this thing, dance church? No. <laughs> I hadn't heard of it either. It's like, you know, half fascinating and half horrifying all at the same time. But you just go and you just shake it out. It's just a place to like shake it out. So uh, we don't have dance church in Central Oregon, but they do on the other side of the mountains. So have to check that out, but huh. I love it. I love the idea of seeing you walking down the street doing the jellyfish. That yeah. makes me happy. Somebody <laughs> somebody on my team might have sent me a video of prancer-sizing and um, changed my name tag, but, you know, it's okay. Because <laughs> I was having it. fun. I gave a laugh to people. It's all good. That's so good. It's so good. So if you had, um, because you're kind of the wellness guru and where you work, and also, I mean, I think in Oregon as well, if someone came to you and was like, I'm really struggling, what would be kind of your go-to suggestions for them with taking care of their, their wellness? Um, really, I, I really believe, I'm a big believer in movement. And so taking a walk, taking a, an exercise, doesn't have to be a hard exercise class, just walking. The, there's so many benefits of walking. And I know it gets hard in Oregon, especially as we're coming into the rainy stuff. Um, but even a, a five-minute walk or laps around your school building or something, but getting some movement in, even with just in your chair, just doing some stretches, uh, just because I don't know if you've read the book Joy of Movement um, by Dr. McGonigal and just, again, the neurobiology and what, what happens in there. Also connecting and connecting on the positive. So just thinking of some gratitude, something that you're grateful for. I do a gratitude practice every night before I go to bed also just to help me reflect. But naming something that happened 
that you that brought you some joy or some peace or some comfort and sharing that with somebody. So we collaborate a lot. We talk about, we commiserate a lot in toxic um, staff rooms often um, right. about swirling around the negative because we're designed to do that. So actually the work is looking for the positive piece and let's try practicing swirling around that. So just find one thing good that happened and share that with somebody, whether it's in person or texting or writing a letter um, but just getting that out because then you experience that again, right? So then you're retraining your brain and you're putting those happy chemicals in your body again, another release just by thinking about it, by sharing it, somebody smiles and, and gets that, you get it again and you get to pass it along and you have ripple effect. So just I connecting and moving are the biggest things and gratitude, yeah. those are my top three. Those are your top three. Those are good three. I think people, if they did those three, and the cool thing is, like research shows, we don't even have to do them every day, but if we just do them regularly, I imagine that our listeners would feel a shift in their energy towards being more positive and more aligned to who they want to be, right? Yeah. So, yeah. all right, big question. If I gave you a magic wand and you could use it for educator wellness, what would happen? We wouldn't do testing nearly as much uh, and, you know, enable, allow the teachers to, to actually test and, and know, connect with their kids and know the kids like, like my teachers did in my age, right? It wasn't a lot of state testing uh, and, and allow them time and the, and the purpose and the intention to connect with the kids they're teaching. The curriculum, every, all that stuff can change over and over again. That's fine. But if, if we can't connect and be and relate and be in community, we will, we see what's happening. So I would, I would take away the testing. I would take away this, this pacing guides that seem to drive people nuts. And this, because comparison, right. Is a thief, is thief of joy. So if I compare and I'm like, I'm two days behind, then I'm setting myself up to talk mean to myself. So I would take those away. And I would put um, wellness practices as a part of everybody's routine in their in their school day through the day. Oh my gosh, I want to work in that school. <laughs> you, you wave that wand, and I will go back to doing direct services. I promise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, um, Sandy. We're kind of closing down here, but I'm wondering what else would you like our our listeners to know about wellness and in regards to education and their practices. Yeah, just just do the little things that you can. I mean, there's there's fabulous heart and great compassion and great intention behind the things that we do. And if we can gather around that and, and remind ourselves of that, remind each other of that um, and build that community back, right? That, that'll just, that'll go so far in, in kind of elevating the, the profession of teaching again and working in the buildings and in the schools and, you know, helping our, helping our next generation come that's going to lead us and take care of us here pretty soon. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. Sandy, thank you so much for your time and coming and sharing your um, experiences and ideas with our listeners. We, um, that's all the time we have for today. And I just really appreciate you. Yeah. And thank you so much. For, yeah. For those that are listening, I will uh, see you next time and take care.
For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit grow.oregonad.org.